everyone, and welcome to the Las Musas podcast. My name is Lakenzea Kemp, and I'm the author of Heartbreak Symphony. Today, I'm joined by Rebecca Belcarcel and Johnny Garcia. And today on this episode of Sophomore Social, we'll be talking about the differences between our debuts and sophomore books in terms of production and publisher support, as well as how we balance writing with publicity. Rebecca, can you start us off by introducing yourself and telling us a little about your book? Sure. My sophomore book is Shine on Luz Velis, and it stars 11-year-old bicultural Luz. And Luz was a soccer star, but an injury has put her on the bench. When she stumbles onto a robotics class at school and starts learning computer programming from like a grandfatherly neighbor man, she thinks, okay, now I'm on my way to a new identity. And she especially loves to make her parents proud, so she thinks this will do it. But then her Guatemalan father reveals a 13-year-old uh, secret surprise that will change everything, uh, including Luce's assumptions about family and what makes her worthy of love. Thank you. Johnny? Yeah, I'm Johnny Garzavia, and my debut novel is 1500 Miles from the Sun, which follows a Corpus Christi, Texas high school senior who accidentally uh, comes out on Twitter after having way too much fun at a party. And my next novel coming out in 2023 is Ander and Santi Were Here, which follows a non-binary mirrorless taking a gap year before college uh, who falls for the newest waiter at their family's taqueria. Thank you. And my sophomore novel, Heartbreak Symphony, has been described as clap when you land meets on the come up in a heart gripping story about navigating first love and overcoming grief through the power of music. And as of this recording, it comes out tomorrow. So if you're listening to this episode, it is out now if you want to grab a copy. Okay, so first question, what was the production process like for your second book versus your first book? Did you have more or less time for drafting, revisions, et cetera? And Rebecca, we'll start with you. Okay. Well, with both books, I had about six months between when the offer was made and then when the first full manuscript was due. So that was similar. Um, the second time though, I had not written a full draft. So I was you know, they bought it with just some chapters and a synopsis. And so I had to actually write the full book from scratch. Um, luckily, the book did unfold in a way that followed the synopsis that I proposed, because that doesn't always happen. <laughs> but, um, but that way, I did turn the book in on time, even though that's when lockdown had started from uh, the pandemic. And actually, lockdown helped me because it gave me a chance to just focus on the book and meet that deadline. Um, the copy edits and the proofreading, it happened similarly also across the next months. Um, and I think the main difference is my own readiness for how the process would, would go and like the flow, because I started to understand that they would hold the manuscript for weeks and then suddenly I would get an email and say, hey, can we have this in two days? Or or next week or something. And so I wasn't surprised this time when that happened. Um, publishing feels like this punctuated equilibrium, like a lot of nothing. And then all of a sudden, boom, please have this by tomorrow, you know? So I was way more ready for that. 
Um, but overall, the timeline really was similar with both books, um, like from offer to first full uh, manuscript turned in and then to the final version. So, you know, it took about a year from um, until the like from contract to final version um, being turned in. Of course, then it takes another year for it to actually come out. Yeah, so that's what it was like. I think maybe like similar to Rebecca, my second book, Under and Something Were Here, was my pandemic book. So maybe unsurprisingly, it took a lot longer to draft than my debut, uh, which only took a month to get a whole first draft done. And um, I started getting serious with it when American Dirt came out. And like, if you forgot, that was also a thing that happened in 2020. Um, and it just followed me through my favorite taqueria shutting down and going from working 60 plus hours a week to me leaving my jobs. Um, like marching in the streets against police brutality, which I think all of these things together really just shaped the book it turned out to be. Um, also, we had, we have, I guess currently still, about, well, no, we have like a year. Okay, <laughs> at the time of acquisition, there was about two full years uh, in between acquiring and publication for my second book compared to my first book, which came out about 13 months after we signed the contract. Um, which is really fast in, in publishing timelines. Um, but also like because I became a full-time writer during COVID, I had more time for revisions on my own. And after needing that half a year it took to draft it, I think that then translated into not needing so much time revising after acquisition. With my debut, they brought in like a developmental editor in addition to the couple of rounds of edits I did with my publishing editor. Uh, and for Honor and something, I think we've only done one round before copy edits, uh, not including like getting a um, sensitivity reader and the changes that might happen from that. Um, so yeah, that's all to say that, yes, I did eventually have more time to dedicate to my second book versus my first book. Yeah, so my experience was the opposite. I definitely had less time. <laughs> um, and I think that's usually gonna be true when you compare any book to your debut. I mean, I spent like six years working on somewhere between bitter and sweet off and on through multiple iterations of the story and multiple drafts of each. And with Heartbreak Symphony, I just had a partial manuscript when I first pitched it as book two. And then once that was approved, I only had about five-ish months to finish it. Usually I prefer to spend at least eight months on a first draft and because the subject matter and Heartbreak Symphony was so personal and difficult, it really, really could have used even longer than that. But I didn't have that option at the time. Um, and then when it came to revisions, my editor also tried to give me less time for those. Um, the working pace for somewhere was, in hindsight, pretty comfortable. I had about a month for developmental edits, maybe three weeks for line edits, three weeks for copy edits. And for Heartbreak Symphony, they tried to have me do developmental edits in two weeks. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so I immediately asked for an extension and they gave me three weeks, but each round was smaller than for somewhere. And so that was a little frustrating because you never wanna feel like you're rushing something. And I really don't know why there was this sense of urgency with my second book, it seemed unnecessary from my perspective because we were technically following the same production production schedule as my debut. Um, but for whatever reason, the timeline was 
shortened. And I do think that created some additional stress on my end. So next question, how would you compare the publisher support for your first book versus your second book in terms of marketing and publicity and maybe just like overall vibes that you're getting from your publishing team? Well, um, for, for me, it was, I think it made a big difference that my first book, my debut, won an award. And that has created more excitement actually for the second book. There was a lot of excitement for the first book, but um, like this time they're doing a Goodreads giveaway and they didn't before. Um, this time they're springing for bookmarks, <laughs> which seems like a small thing, but they didn't before um, the first time around. And um, I, I guess they, Chronicle did a really nice job of sending me to um, conferences and pitching me for panels and things. And they're doing that again, pretty much at the same level. Um, so I really appreciate that. There's been quite a lot of support. Both books, we had a marketing phone call where they laid out their plan to me and my agent. We were, you know, like four or five people on the call. Um, and so that's nice because my agent can come in and say, hey, what about this? What about this? And be a little bit more demanding. Um, so they, it's been a good experience. Um, you know, they're flying me to a couple of literature festivals or book festivals. Um, and even though they're a smaller house than the big five, they did print 2000 physical arcs, the advanced review copies for this second book. And that I'm super grateful for because a lot of houses aren't printing any, you know, they're doing just, just digital. They did also do digital, um, but they did a lot of print copies for librarians and teachers. Um, and so that, that's just a nice thing. It shows that they are behind the book and they're showing some excitement. Um, and then this book has a STEM like robotics coding angle. And I think they're reaching out to coding groups. Like there's a group called Girls Who Code. So there's some sort of avenues open for this second book that weren't just didn't exist for the debut. But yeah, I've been pretty happy actually. For me, I moved from like a, a smaller publisher to a big five for my second book. And it's still fairly early on. We've got like a whole year before my second book is out. But comparatively, we've already got like an extra early version of Ander and Santi in readers' hands. My current publisher has already done giveaways for it on Goodreads and Instagram. Like they're already working on getting the word out incrementally, but like very visibly compared to my debut, which didn't have arcs until maybe like three and a half months before the pub date. And it very much felt like because they weren't a huge publisher that I was doing a lot for myself. Um, so even though we're still just like getting into it, we haven't had any like marketing phone calls yet or anything like that. It does feel very promising. Um, and I think it's gonna be a lot more fun. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I would say for me, the two experiences have been worlds apart. <laughs> I have always heard rumors that an author, sophomore book, particularly if they're at the same publisher who published their debut, that that next book just isn't usually treated with the same level of interest or energy or excitement or effort. Um, and it definitely feels that way to me 
with my first book, I started doing events and promo eight months out and I had an official publishing publicity meeting six months out with my sophomore book. Nothing really got going until three months out. And I had to request a publicity meeting about a month out from publication because one hadn't been scheduled yet. With my first book, I was doing so many interviews with various publications, tons of media. And with this book, I've done exactly one interview <laughs> with We Need Diverse Books. With my first book, they also had me make quite a bit of content that was shared on various platforms. And this time around, I've only had to make content for two websites, one aimed at teachers and the other being the publisher's YA blog. So there has been significantly less coming from the publisher that needs my input or attention. And I've been doing significantly more on my own to try to make up for that lack of exposure. So for example, I printed almost 300 invitations for my launch event and sent them to teachers and librarians all over the city. And just a lot of local outreach, introducing myself and my work to local organizations. I took a bunch of alfajores to every children's librarian in the city. I think I visited like 26 libraries in total. I'm also paying for my own pre-order campaign, which I did with my first book as well, but I felt like the previous one had a wider reach because of how much more visible my debut was. And so it definitely feels a little lonelier. Like the honeymoon phase is definitely over and I feel like the sophomore experience in terms of marketing and publicity support is probably closer to reality and what it's going to be like with future books. Unless of course, you know, I miraculously become a bestseller or maybe move to a new publisher where I will be treated like the shiny new thing again. But also this mass exodus of lower level publishing professionals, which often does include publicists and assistants and the people whose absence does have a direct impact on your book's internal support and therefore visibility, it's also going to continue to affect things. And so there's really no guarantee that any author will get the publisher support they truly need or deserve. And, you know, what what I'm feeling and experiencing right now doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't people at the publisher doing things behind the scenes, but I do feel less out front um, the way I did with my debut. And I think that makes sense. You know, with a debut, you're, they're trying to introduce you to the world basically. Um, and they don't necessarily have that same priority with a sophomore book. Do I wish there was a little bit more being done? Of course, but at the same time, now that we're able to travel again, now that conferences and festivals are happening in person, it's very possible that some of that money that they were spending on media with my first book when we were in lockdown is now being put towards travel opportunities, which I'm okay with, obviously, because traveling is something I didn't get to experience with my first book. And, you know, it's a privilege that not all authors um, have access to. And so it's a give and take. You don't get everything, um, obviously, but as long as you are, you know, communicating with your publisher, you're at least asking for things, even if they say no, <laughs> which they often do say no. Um, I think you should just do as much as you are willing to and can to fill in those gaps. And 
then just let it go. Like I said, my book comes out tomorrow. I'm at this point letting it go. There's nothing more I can do. <laughs> and I hope like in that the second book will help sell the first book because I've heard multiple people say, oh, the best thing you can do for your first book is to write the second book. So hopefully you have fans who will follow you to the next book. And I hope the same for all of us, of course. Yeah, and that's definitely something that I saw in action when I was self-publishing because the phrase holds there as well, that mm -hmm. in order to sell your front list or the best way to sell your back list is to build your front list, right? Um, to put out more books. And that really did work for me when I was self-publishing. I think I really hit my stride and started to build a significant audience once I got to like book three in a series that I was working on. Um, so I'm really excited to see if there's a little bump in sales once my sophomore book comes out. I'm going to be keeping an eye on that for sure. Okay, so last question. How do you divide your time between writing and publicity? Hmm. I, I wish I had figured this out, actually, because I feel like I could spend 24 hours a day updating my website and doing blog posts and blurbing other people's books, you know, which is part of being in the writing community and, and keeping your name out there in a way that's less like salesy, um, like presenting to writing groups, talking to school groups, um, you know, mentioning my book on social media or the different things going on with it. I mean, I could just do that all day. <laughs> so I find it hard to fit in the writing. I really do. Um, and yet, obviously none of the promo matters at all if you're not writing like if there's no writing there's nothing to promote so um like we were saying you know writing the next book is actually part of promoting so um yeah i wish i could get this a little better balanced um i feel like i'm struggling with my draft for book three and I think it's because it takes that sustained attention, the concentration, and I'm finding that harder for me recently. I, you know, it may have to do with the pandemic and some personal things. Um, you know, I lost my father last fall, but um, honestly, I also find promoting to be kind of fun and instant gratification, whereas writing is actually work. And so, of course, writing is fun too. And when you're into it and you're in the flow, it is. But um, but promoting is sort of, I, I don't know, I find like I can just do it on my own and I feel like I'm having fun with it. Um, so, you know, when I'm sitting there trying to write and I hit a little snag, oh, I just click over to social media and I'm thinking, ooh, you know, <laughs> oh what could I do you know maybe I could send something to a librarian or uh, so I need to I need to settle down and focus actually um, and then there's the travel because like you said travel is awesome and it's wonderful to get to do it again and it's real inspiring but it takes um, time it takes attention and energy and it's pretty consuming while it's happening I not I I haven't done well with like writing on a plane or writing in a hotel room. Although I know authors who talk about that, like, oh, I'm going to leave this big event and go to my hotel room and write. Now, you know, I need to become that person. <laughs> um, so yeah, I need to learn to get 
my balance better between my writing and my publicity actually yeah johnny are you doing do you have a secret i can use <laughs> <laughs> i mean i for me like i've gone about it by just understanding when i'm most productive with writing like i am very much an afternoon into evening 10 o'clock at night sort of writer and so if i want to do promo stuff if i want to make graphics if i want to go spend an hour on Twitter doing book related stuff, I will plan to do that in the morning when I know that I'm not gonna any like be writing anyways. And so it's not necessarily taking away from my productivity with my job. Um, and like, I, I think it's just, I do it until it's not fun anymore or I do it only when I know I'm going to have fun. If I see an opportunity and it feels like it's going to quickly become overwhelming or even just boring, say no. Like, just don't don't say yes to that. It is totally okay not to say yes to that. Um, and and yeah, I I think for traveling too, especially whenever it's like actual publicity. So like your your publisher isn't paying for you to go to these festivals. Most of the ones that I've been to, um, all the ones I've been to, actually, my publisher did not pay for me to go to them. I paid for them for myself to be there. Um, and I totally embrace the fact that like when I'm there, I am conference festival Johnny. I am not currently writing Johnny. I, I cannot do that. Usually, I, I've stopped bringing my laptop altogether to festivals because I just know that after spending eight hours around teenagers and other authors crying at their face, like I am not going to be in any sort of mood to write or to be productive or to think about the fictional people living in my head. And so I think it really just, you have to take stock of where you are at your best for both writing and for just being visible and for promoting yourself. Um, and just remember that, and I think we've mentioned this on the podcast multiple times that just no amount of publicity is going to change the trajectory of how well your book does. On your own, it's not gonna do any sort of substantial amount. So again, only do it when it's fun, only do it when you're having fun and don't be afraid to say no because you doing something for some outlet or whatever isn't going to, to make you a New York Times bestseller. Agreed. And I think the second book is a great opportunity for you to start saying no to things that you didn't before, right? Because with your debut, you were so hungry to do everything that you possibly could to make your book a success. And then you inevitably end up burned out. Uh, we all do. And so hopefully the sophomore experience is an opportunity to reset and think about what do I wish I would have done differently? How can I set some healthy boundaries that are really going to safeguard me and protect me during this time um, so that I can protect my creative time so that I can protect me as a person when I'm out in the world meeting with people and telling them about my book like there's there's so much output right there's so much emotional work and just being on all the time and being in performance mode it's really really exhausting so like y'all I don't work when I'm traveling I I don't bring my laptop with me I don't I don't cross my fingers and even hope that I'm going to have a couple of hours in the airport to work. I just don't even bother with it. And I think that helps me to enjoy those travel opportunities even more and relinquishing that pressure. 
being that I'm in the middle of launching my sophomore YA novel right now, I really haven't been able to write much for the past few weeks. I've tried to get back to drafting, but I really need, like you were saying, Rebecca, I really need consistency in order to truly get into like a flow state. And that just hasn't been possible really since January. I feel like I haven't been able to get into that um, creative flow. So instead of feeling guilty every time, non-writing related tasks get in the way of me being able to write, I just try to change priorities and use that day to get as much publicity work done as possible. So the key for me is really blocking off specific times when I'm focusing on both and adjusting the amount of time I'm dedicating to either of those things, the closer I get to either a due date or a book release. So for example, if I'm not nearing a release date, then I may just devote a couple of afternoons a week to publicity or other non-writing related tasks. And then as I get closer to my release, I might adjust so that I have an entire day out of my work week devoted to non-writing related things. And then the three to four weeks before launch, I'll usually be focusing all of my efforts on publicity and either not writing at all or writing very minimally. But the starting and stopping and lack of consistency is really detrimental to my creativity. So one of the things I'm most looking forward to in releasing my sophomore novel is not just you know sharing it with readers but also getting my writing life back and getting back to my work in progress that i've been trying to finish literally for months so really looking forward to getting back to that really nourishing and restorative place with writing because that's truly what it is for me and sometimes we lose track of that or we get separated from that when we're in the midst of the hustle, like to try to pitch our book, sell our book, make people interested in our book. And so I'm ready to like move on from that um, and just get back into the work. Can I also add, like, I think in addition to writing and publicity, it's important to consider rest as like an equal thing that you need to be focusing on. I think for my debut, I was all like, whenever I would have something, especially as it got closer, I would be doing like a blog, a podcast, a YouTube video, all within like a day or two. And it's like, oh yeah, I didn't do anything. I didn't write. So obviously I didn't do anything. And it's like, no, you were working. Like you were writing down answers for things. You were getting ready for interviews. You were on, like, make sure that you're seeing these things as not like, just because you're not writing, you're not doing anything because you are doing a substantial amount for putting yourself out there and also just like any sort of thing you can do to maybe get one more person interested in you as an author and your work. I, I'm going to have to re-listen to this podcast after <laughs> after it because this is so so important and yeah the boundaries and then giving yourself credit for all the things like it all counts and yeah and protecting the writing time that's yeah I'm going to take that home with me. Any other parting words of wisdom or advice? I guess I'll add that being a sophomore book uh, author means kind of making that transition between writer and author very much more clearly. Um, like there is more of a sense of it being a business and there's more of a sense that you're building a brand with your work. Um, I, I do feel like I'm stepping into like a bigger 
ring or, or a bigger author self. And the debut, I was just like the, the bright eyed, wide eyed newbie. And now, now this is different. You know, there's, there's an assumption that I will write another book and, and a book after that. And it's a career now, or I hope it will be. And so um, that's a mental change. And um, it, it might mean that writing feels a little less fun and a little less like a leisure activity and, you know, more like work. But, um, but really, there's still a lot of joy in the characters and the language and the story. So I'm gonna try not to lose track of that even as I become more professional in my approach to my work. If you'd like to learn more about Las Musas or our books, please visit our website at lasmusasbooks.com or find us on social media at Las Musas Books. And be sure to check out our bookshop page where each purchase of one of our books goes towards supporting independent bookstores. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also sign up for the Las Musas newsletter to have podcast updates, as well as other Musa news, such as release dates, teasers, spotlights, and more delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening.